0: Yo, what up, UMU? This is Jay Will. Yo, what up, what up, UMU? It's me, Blackjack.
1: What's up, UMU? You already
2: know. It's your girl, Key.
3: And welcome to the Hot Watch. If you want to hear about some fantastic careers, some things that worked, some things that didn't work, and some lessons learned so the same errors won't be repeated, then you're in the right place. Every month, we talk to the people that's been there, done that. And willing to share their stories so those same errors won't be repeated. So sit back, listen, enjoy, and as always, let's continue to grow together.
0: Hey, what up, what up, what up, UMU? Thank you for joining us for yet another installment of our UMU Hot Wash. Joining me as usual from the admin team, we got Jay Will. Say what up, Jay Will.
3: Yo, what up, what up?
0: And we also got our, our uh, hype man from the back. Say what up, Key
1: what's up everybody
2: hey hey
0: awesome awesome again as always before we get started i'd like to take a quick second and kind of go over our disclaimer so all the views and opinions expressed here this evening are our own personal views and opinions and do not represent the air force or any dod organization all right now that that's out the way i'm going to pass it over to jay will he's going to talk to us a little bit about what the hot wash is about
3: all right, y'all. So it's always, uh, well, second episode, I said as always, because this ain't hot topics, it's hot watch. So what we're trying to bring to y'all is y'all leaders and take them throughout their careers. So again, this is not meant to be, hey, somebody's retiring. Let me tell you how it is. It's just somebody who's done a, a large part of their career. Um, and then we're going to take them through the journey of it. We're going to ask some tough questions. We're ask some personal, some professional, and try to dive deep. And maybe they can share some experiences that will help y'all. But with that, as y'all can see, we're using this platform as always, and uh, we can put your comments on the screen. But the only way for us to put the comments on the screen is if you click uh, the link and enable StreamYard to have access to Facebook so we can see your name and give y'all a shout out. Um, but with that, Key, uh,
1: I'm going to pass it over to you.
3: All right. find this link.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so we definitely are going to put it down there. It's actually already in there, um, but I definitely will pin it up to the top. Um, so, as Jay Will said, we're using StreamYard and it just gives us a more interactive experience where we can put your comments up there real time. Shout out to McCoy from the admin team and Tony, missing y'all. But as you can see, we can see their name and it doesn't say Facebook user. So, once you enable um StreamYard to be able to just read your name. They're not going to try to take all, all this other information, right? Um, once you do it once on your account, it doesn't matter what device you're on, when you log in, we'll be able to see your name versus Facebook user. So click on the link, make sure that you enable it and I'm going to post it again down below. Without further ado, we're going to introduce our guest, Jay Will.
3: I'm
2: hey y'all <laughs> Chief. Hi. So, uh, for all of you who don't know, I'm Amy Riley. I am the command chief over at the 621 CRW, uh, otherwise known as the Contingency Response Wing. So we are the Air Force's only bicoastal wing. We are stationed both at Travis Air Force Base and Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst. Um, the entire portion of my, or the entire thing, mission set of my of my organization is from anything of building partnership capacity. Uh, so we send air advisors into both Africa and Latin America to help establish relationships in those countries and teach their, um, their military better ways of doing business. Uh, we, have an op- we have C2 operations that work within our organization. And then the big ask of us is typically the, this uh, port opening. Um, and we will send teams out from anywhere from as little as seven to as big as 150 to uh, do airfield assessments, um, land aircraft. Uh, Most notably recently, what our teams did was Afghanistan. So the retrograde in Afghanistan back in June. And then uh, again, the NEO efforts that took place in Afghanistan just recently. And so we have uh, an ability in my organization to get in and out very, very quickly, are very agile, flexible. um, And we give our senior leaders decision making space so we call ourselves shock absorbers so as we get into a place till they can figure out what they really really want there they send our team in in there and say they fix it right so that's what we do uh, i've been in the military for 24 and a half years um medic by trade i was a first sergeant at Air force base for three years um and then Luckily enough, my path has taken me to be a command chief, which has been phenomenal, and I love it. I am married to a wonderful man who puts up with a lot of my shenanigans. Uh, He is a retired senior master sergeant, ammo troop, uh, Mr. Mike Riley, and we have uh, three children. So the two older ones, we're getting ready to be uh, grandparents here in November. The oldest is gonna be having a baby boy. Uh, Our son is a F-16 crew chief, currently stationed at Massawa, and then our nine-year-old little girl who is actually right now doing what she does almost every night of the week, which is gymnastics. (laughs) So that—that that that is our life in a nutshell, and and that is me. Um,
1: Well, thank you so much, Chief. And one more thing before we get started into this. I almost forgot. So just like the last time we did our um, hot wash, we had a round of rapid fire. So of course, this is something new for us. So we did our rapid fire a little different last time that we want to do, you know, spice it up a little bit now. So we're going to ask questions from the audience. So audience, as we're having our conversation with Chief Riley, if you have any questions for her, there's going to be a rapid fire somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the end. And Chief is gonna have to just answer on the fly. She's not afraid either. She is cut from the same (laughs) cloth that Chief Weatherspoon is cut from, where she says she is never scared, so she's ready. So go ahead and make sure you guys drop those questions. I'll be the one that um, will be asking them uh, for Chief. And so Chief is going to have to give these quick-fire answers. And again, if there's something that needs to be elaborated on, she will do so at a later time. But without further ado, Jay Will or George Um. Sir.
3: Well, I I think you heard us in the background, too. So we're going to take you through your career. And the thing we're going to do is we're going to start off from the beginning. So I want to know a little bit of why the Air Force, like out of the branches, how did it come about that you came in and you chose the Air Force?
2: Mm. So uh, I I think I (laughs) I will start this by telling you that my father uh, was Navy. He did four years, but he was so anti-military, right, Uh, that he i think he smoked marijuana i think he admitted that to me somewhere later on (laughs) in my life but uh being out on the ship he literally did not cut his hair because they they could put the ball caps on right and somebody got mad at him one day and walked by and flipped his hat and his hair fell down like on the ship while they were out right so my family to say is very not military would be probably an understatement at that point. Of course, my grandfather did you know, World War II and all that stuff, but that's I didn't really have anything experienced in the military. Um, I was getting ready to graduate high school. I knew I didn't want to go to college. I knew I did not want to stay at home. Uh, a friend of mine was joining the Navy, and then actually a friend of mine and uh, Gloria's, Adriana Rodriguez, she joined the Air Force. She was a, hair, a year ahead of me. And she introduced me to her recruiter, and so lo and behold, I signed the paperwork and I left. And that's what I did. Um, I remember my first night in basic training, crying in bed, going, "Oh my God, what did I do?" Right? And made it through basic training, made it through tech school, um, and at one point I was going to get out. I was—I had actually attended bartending school, and I was going to. My dad had moved to Vegas after I joined the military, so I was going to move to Vegas. And uh, be a bartender, and probably attempt to go to college, but who knows?
3: yeah
2: and um I, and then I met Michael, so I was twenty two met Michael, and I remember talking to him about I was getting ready to separate, and he said, "If you separate, we're not gonna make it." My husband, when i he is like bleed blue military, love to be <laughs> worse, And I went, "Oh God, but okay, yeah. <laughs> And so it just kind of stopped me in my tracks and I ended up re-enlisting. Um, and I never looked back after that. Like I just, that was the life that him and I were gonna create together. And it was because I owe it to him, one, because I just never, I couldn't see my life without him. And if I couldn't see my life without him, then that military was gonna be a part of it. Um, why the Air Force, uh, there, there's not a reason. Okay. Introduced me to a recruiter. Like, that's why the Air Force. Who knows? Could
3: could you give us the quick, uh, how was your job selection? Give us that quick uh, experience for you. Uh,
2: Open General. Airmen don't do that one anymore very often. Um, I went in Open General, and when I was in basic training, they called me in and up to a room and they said, hey, what do you want to do? And all I knew was medical logistics because that's what Adriana did. Again, I had zero understanding of med- of military right, open logistics, medical logistics, and they said okay, and so I had to fill out those things, and I went down the medical line, and I was like, uh, yeah, I don't want to be a med tech. There was this thing called aerospace medical technician, which is what we're all called now. But back when I joined the military for Fox was its own career field. And we took care of just the flyers and did all you know, that sort side of the house. And the way that of course it was written in the job description sounded a lot cooler than what my job ended up being.
1: Hey, they're <laughs> good. They're good with that job description. Hey, good.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. Creative writing is something that the Air Force uh, is not lacking in, that is for sure. <laughs> And so uh, sure enough, that's I filled out that and they came back and they said, all right, you're going to go be a four fox. And so that's what I did.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: open good old open general.
3: open
1: general. Oh, goodness. OK, so shout out to Mr. Mike now and <laughs> Adriana if she's still in. Mm-hmm. Um, thank We definitely want to thank them for getting this precious jewel that we had mm-hmm. in front of you. And so now that we know, um, you know, kind of your story of how you came in and how you picked your job, who shaped you or was there a particular event aside from the two that you mentioned that kind of shaped the person that we see right in front of us today?
2: So I would love to give some shout outs to the medical career field, but I, I honestly, unfortunately I can't, a little bit I can, right? There's always those pieces of your job that help shape you and the people that are around you. Um, but it was ammo, uh, Mm. being a part. So anybody who is in ammo, it is a very tight knit career field. They take care of one another. And I got to experience a whole nother side of air force family because I was with Mike, um, it, it really did open my eyes to a family environment. We, and we did everything together. I mean, when we lived in Vegas our house was the house. We would go to softball games together. Everybody had the code to get in the garage. Like when people PCS'd in, they were all seen or sleeping on our couch at some point in time. We had a group of probably 15 of us that just were together all the time. And so I, I owe a lot of connection pieces with um, to being with Michael one, but the ammo community that I was involved in. Um, From from a military perspective, I think my job wise, um, my team when I was at Nellis in the ER. So at, uh, what year was that, 2003? The Mm -hmm. four foxes and the four ends became one career field, right? So we four shaped and we uh, combined, we got rid of four foxes. Which they're back now, which just shows, goes to show you that the military always goes full circle, right? And um,
3: did you say I there got, it is?
2: I got an opportunity to go work inside the emergency room, and I never thought taking care of patients was as exhilarating as it was working in that emergency room. I mean, that really did drive home that that care for people, right? right. What's my manner? How we're supposed to do it? I loved it. That was a lot of, that was probably one of my best medical assignments outside of my deployments.
1: How, how, uh,
3: can I expand? A little? How did that relationship, because uh, sometimes people seek it out, how did that relationship and that bond build? I know you had your husband, you said that community, but mm-hmm. was it more, was it kind of organic? Was it kind of like you seeking out? But how did that relationship, like how you said, what shaped you today, how did that come about? Uh, With the military? Of- well, no. We were just talking about how Ammo helped you out and oh. how that family and stuff. Like, how how organic did it feel, or or was it kind of like a kind kind of a stepping stones? Or could you take me a little bit through that?
2: Um. Honestly, yeah. I mean, they all played softball together, it, mm. it, and that, I wish more people were in the communities doing intramural sports. I mean, I played volleyball. Um, so my first duty station was Los Angeles okay. and, um, AFMC still had volleyball tournaments that you could go TDY to. So I went to uh, New Mexico. I went out to Eglin. I, like, we would, we, we would TDY to play volleyball as a team off the base. And I will tell you, I think there's whatever draws you together, right? So for ammo community, it is softball. I mean, they have tournaments every year. They have that people still go to. And in fact, retirees still go to these things. They create their own team and they still go because it's such a deep connection within that work within that career field. But I think it's just when you do something outside of work, when you pull people together outside of work, you build a family relationship with them that goes beyond the uniform and when you can get beyond the uniform that's that is where you make your money at taking care of one another
1: yes thank you i struggled coming from overseas when i was overseas well coming from overseas to stateside my first two stations were overseas and those intramural sports it was like everything and i was so homesick when I was in Portugal, but my, um, it wasn't even my boss, but it was one of the folks that was like, listen, this is the tournament that they do come on and keep the score. And just to be yeah. able to travel, I was like, I'm, I'm not getting in trouble for this. And they were like, no. And then when I got to Aviano, it was like these big bases were coming to play the basketball, the softball. But I yeah. came back to the States and it was like nobody. It was like everybody got off of work and they went home.
2: Right. And
1: I was like, where? Because we were like, okay, we're going to the basketball game. So we were like, we're going to get there early we get here early and it was seats open for days versus overseas. It was like, if you didn't get there at a certain time, you were standing up in the back. Right. And it, the vibe was so different stateside with those intermobile sports. Yeah.
2: So I think for me, like my first duty station being Los Angeles, yes, I did the, you know, played the, I played volleyball. And, and so I was associated with the base team and I did those things. But Los Angeles was actually back home for me. So I went literally back to my home, right? Like, and it, I think it did prevent me from connecting to the uniform, connecting to people because I didn't have to. I went to my mom's house. I went and saw my sister, and my brother, I went to my with my out with my friends that were not in the military anymore. So it definitely was I it, it probably would have been a lot different for me had I not PCS'd right back to my home station.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely, those are the those are the memories we tend to rem, uh, remember or reminisce about. when we're sitting around the, the either campfire, and we're telling our old military stories. It's not the hey, what I did at work or what I accomplished at work. It's the connections we made with our people. Thank right. you again for sharing, Chief. All right, yeah, so yeah. my question kind of ties into the middle range of your career, right? There's no secret that uh, as you transition and get to know, get familiarized with your career, it's kind of difficult to navigate that early adolescent period of your career, right? So my question to you was: There ever a point in your career that you felt like piece, puzzle pieces started to fall into place, and you were able to see the pattern that kind of helped you move and become successful uh, further on?
2: Uh, when I became a first sergeant, so I was thirteen years in, um, and I and I share this with some people because I think some airmen have joined the military and they go, "I'm going to be a chief one day, or I'm going to commission, and I'm going to do these great great things." And and I absolutely believe that. They want to do all of that, right? But then there's a lot of airmen that are like, I needed to get away from home. I didn't have any money. College wasn't doing my doing me any favors. So I didn't know what else to do, Like, right? And we all have a point that we join the military and then we actually join the military, right? So we're enlisted and it's awesome. And then all of a sudden like, no, nope, this, is, this is my calling and this is what I'm supposed to do. And so for me, that was 13 years in. Um, even through like all of the other years, being a part of AMO, you know, doing my job, being deployed, I I enjoyed it. I just was not still bought into what U.S. Air Force meant and and that bigger picture of it all. And I became a first sergeant because uh, I worked for a master sergeant who uh,
3: trash. Was yeah, that
2: was on? yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right so you yes. must have um and in fact he made he made my life so miserable i for about three months straight i cried before coming into work every day i just couldn't do it and um so I knew something had to change, so I decided I'm going to make master because I don't want to work for you anymore. So I didn't really want to be a master sergeant; I just didn't know what else to do, right? If I don't want to work for you, I can't be a lower-ranking person than you. So I studied, I made master, and as soon as I made master, I, um, I knew I'm going to I'm going to become a first sergeant. So I deployed, and I was on. I was uh, transitioning home in June from deployment. I put on master one June. I got home like thir- 12 or 13 June, and I was literally sitting in my command chief's office the next day before I started R and R, signing my like doing my interview. I want to go, and he was like, "Okay, let's go." And it it was after the first time an airman was stopped me and was like, "Hey, shirt, really, thank you. I appreciate you know you taking time to talk with me today." It made me finally see the bigger picture. Not from an operational strategic, like mm-hmm. all of these things that hell, some days I'm still trying to figure that piece out. But from why it's so important that we do this as a team, like there, there is no way one person in this military can ever succeed without the help of everybody else around them, right? And And I don't say this because I want people to feel devalued. I want them to understand like, The military is not than to fail. Like the military will not fail. The Air Force will never fail. That is not how we were built. That is not how we're going to continue to do our business. The people inside the military, we fail a lot, right? And each one of us have failed at some point that we could have been probably replaced very easily. Somebody else is waiting in the shadows, waiting to step into your shoes, waiting to take on your job, right? Like there's no joke in that. And again, I don't say that to devalue any person in the military but what I want them to see is that the people surrounding you help pick up your pieces when you can't, because there are days you just can't. Mm -hmm. I woke up today. I I teleworked today. There was an event at work for the spouses. And so I thought it was important that my husband go to that. So I stayed home because our daughter is is, uh, doing some homeschool right now. And I was just, I was not in a good mood today, right? Like (laughs) I probably would have been no good at work today, but my deck is there, my boss is there, my vice commander is there, like my group chiefs are there. Somebody else would have picked up my pieces that I'm not even able to provide today. It was probably a good day that I wasn't at work. But at the end of the day, like, guess what though? If I don't come to work, somebody else is gonna step in and do my job. And it's okay that that happens. And I just, and I want people to remember that. Like, don't, don't think that you're ever alone in this game because you're really not, you're really not.
0: Appreciate that. Chief. So part two of this question, I wanted to ask, since you kind of uh, the date when you enlisted in the date that you joined is such yeah. a big gap. You had a lot of experience in that gap, right? Are yeah. you able to identify members of the Air Force that haven't yet joined the Air Force yet? And if so, what tools do you use to kind of try to get them to jump on board?
3: Let's just highlight, too, that she glazed over the whole 13 year NASA sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> like like that was a like that was an she did she, did, no. she like did that was just a, oh that was just a normal thing that i was doing but go ahead yeah, right go like, uh, you
2: know. um <laughs> sorry you see me how you sidetracked me <laughs> you tell me what the question was again. <laughs>
0: right <laughs> are you able to identify members that have haven't yet joined the air force And if oh, so what tools do you use to kind of get them to jump on board
2: um yes so I absolutely, when I talk with airmen, I can I can see those who are there and those who have one foot out the door probably all the time, right? And I think I just remind them that every person is different. And so I don't I don't keep like this tool bag of things that say, this is gonna work on those airmen. Like it just doesn't work that way. It takes it takes time to get to know them and what motivates them in order to really understand what's gonna help them join. What I do share with them is do not, do not, do not give the Air Force a reason to kick you out, right? If you don't want to be in, make the choice for yourself. Don't let us make it for you. So while you're here, just do your best because what you leave with, man, companies are drooling for that. They love people from the military because of the discipline that comes from it, because of the teamwork that you learn from it. So even if you are not, somebody who's going to stay in, get what you can for the four or six years that you are with us and then spread your wings, go fly, do what you need to do. Right. Um, So I don't think that I try and get them to buy into being in the military because we just can't have everybody in the military. So if they choose to separate, that's okay. What I want them to be is good human productive airmen um, who take care of one another while they're here. So that's what I try and share with them.
0: Awesome
3: no 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 time yeah no that was i hope you got them nuggets for the wrap up i just want i didn't see the pin i'm trying much. to write it down and is it, which it, at man. the same time last time it's i looked so down much, too man. much and i
1: got a, i got flack from hey, you
3: got, yeah we gonna, we gonna make the box
1: <laughs> you were in the nah, comments this that is that the same <laughs> it's not
3: but um so what I have for you kind of going, I, I want to go in a different direction, though, um, because we did talk a lot of positive. So we talked uh, about the relationships and we talked about how you build stuff, we talk about how you are with the airmen. I mean, like everything. But at some point during your career as well, you look back and you say, man, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. Like this isn't this wasn't a move, even if it had a good uh, result or whatever, like this, this wasn't that. Can you share one of those uh, or, or give us some of the background, maybe one of those regrets you had in your career?
2: Okay. Well, I definitely don't live in regrets. So I will share that with you right now. Right. Fair. What I do wish is I would have put more emphasis on um, becoming a learner earlier on in my career. So I'm, Again, I shared with you why I joined the military is because I didn't want to go to college. That has not changed in my life. Um, I don't know that it's okay to share with these guys. Some, some people don't like when I share this, but I did not make command chief with a bachelor's degree. It is possible to do be a good airman and educate yourself in other ways besides going to school. And I've never found a desire to be in school. I just haven't. Um, and I... I wish I would have earlier because now the time (laughs) that it would take to go back to school intimidates me from being able to do it. Like how do I spread myself even thinner than I already am? I am on the road a lot in my job right now. Um, In fact, I counted out, I think I sleep in my bed 10 times this month. And there's people out there that travel more than I do. Like they would love to have 10 nights in their bed, right? So I say that I, the thought of going back to school puts a knot in my stomach. I know I have to, and I know I need to get it done. I just wish I would have emphasized that more in my life earlier. And it, and it comes from, I wish I would have read more earlier. I wish I, there were so many things out there for you to just educate yourself in whatever format you want it to be, whether it's books, whether it's podcasts, whether it's going to school, whether it's taking um, some kind of vocational school, like it doesn't have to be the way everybody else does it. Right. Oh, that's, that's what I wish I would have done better earlier in my career. Sure. Um, the other thing that I probably, I, I look back on and I think, man, I could have done that a whole lot differently. Um, was find something that I'm, that I'm passionate about and stuck with it. I don't, my husband asked me now, like, when you get out of the military, what are you going to do? And I'm like, uh yeah that's a great question because i've i've given up i've let go i don't play volleyball anymore like my peloton bike and me have a really great relationship you know like i <laughs> i and i love watching like the three of you do your thing this is something you're passionate about right i i i still struggle to find what i'm passionate about and i and it's because i've got to let i let a lot of myself go throughout my journey
3: What what if I could ask what's making you feel as though you do have to go to school now versus um, when you were coming up throughout the ranks?
2: Because man, I only have a year left in that damn degree, and I need to get it done. Like to think because and it's free. Like Uh it's free. Why would I not take an advantage of that? You know what I mean? It's the things that you just you realize you should have done earlier on when you didn't have the commitments of motherhood and wifehood and and all of the things that come along with as you get older
3: so. and and i guess it was kind of a leading question but it, do you feel as though it is um any types of pressure as you as you come along in your career or or trying to answer that question as far as what am i going to do post-military do you feel like that could be a contributed factor to Like you being like, well, I need this degree now uh, versus any time before. Uh,
2: Yeah, I think it's going to have to be uh, what we decide to do when I'm I'm done in the military. So my husband has told me, you know, when it's all said and done, if I have to go back to work, I will. He's had the privilege of being able to stay home um, to take care of our daughter. So when he retired, she was only three years old. So it was really nice that he was able to stay home and take care of her. And then we went to Germany, and he, he again, he didn't need to work there. Um, and now that we're in this world of the Comanche world, we know every eighteen to twenty-four months you're going to be moving, and he. So, getting a job has not been the priority for the family. It's been him at home taking care of the things, and it's been really nice to be able to rely on him to do that. Um. So when I think about when it's gonna be all said and done, what do we do? And he says, I'll go back to work. And I, and I think about it and I'm like, well, cool. Then maybe the degree thing isn't that important. Or maybe I wait till I am out and I can just focus on going to school, right? And, mm-hmm. and do that. But then there's these things that I think about like, what do I really want? It makes me really consider what do I wanna do when I'm all done in the military? And do yes. I need, a degree to get it done. I don't know because I think I have to figure out what I want to do. I mean, my dream would be a podcaster. That that market is absolutely saturated. So then you got to yes. find what do you need. You know what makes you special. What makes you people want to listen to you. Um, but so yeah, I, I think for myself, I think I just don't want it to be a factor that doesn't allow me to do something. Not so sure. much that I feel like I absolutely need it and I will have to have it. But I don't want it to be a limitation to why I can't do something.
1: That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. I like that. Chief, and let's talk know, about this oversaturated you're market. You're oh, sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, Gloria. Gloria, Texas. Oh, never yes, too late, so. man. Yes, yeah, I, I saw that glow. <laughs> Listen, I'm
1: gonna say this. If you don't know what you want to do, when I tell you your wingman, Chief Weatherspoon would definitely help you find it. Cause I was like, I We're don't sure. know what I want to do. She was like, You don't? You do this, 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 this. You should do this, this, this. I was like, oh, okay help me on my way. Cause I'm like, what do I want to do? Cause this is, this is all I know, you know, straight out of yeah. high school, but chief, I definitely think that you definitely should do a podcast. You, there's so much value added. And with the oversaturated market, my um, analogy to that is go down the bread aisle. You yeah. go down the bread aisle. There's so many different brands. There's so many different things. But when I go down the bread aisle, I know what bread I want. I don't care what they put out there. <laughs> and so it so could be oversaturated but the bread these companies they don't stop making their breads because they know a certain you know type of consumer is going to look for their bread on their bread aisle so there's no, still room true. for you chief
2: that so is come true. On. it's always room for it
1: i just had to put that's my little plug to my to my yeah. chief so but speaking of uh regrets or things that you could have done differently um us knowing that you have three amazing children mm-hmm. have you ever experienced the guilt of being a military parent. And um if you have, is there like how did you get over that? How did you overcome that or how are you coping with that? Because there's a big age gap. So are you doing things differently where the older ones are like, you didn't make time for us, you know. How did you, how do you balance that or or cope with the guilt that many yeah. of us feel?
2: Uh, so the two older ones come from my husband's first marriage and uh, they were, when I first met Michael, they were six and two. So uh, they lived with their biological mother full-time. Um, we had them on weekends and there was a lot of, I think, guilt on my husband's side of the house, but be, or for my husband, but because I they weren't my children, right? I loved having them when we had them, but I didn't I I didn't know that feeling. I I mean, I was 22 when I met Michael. I was very young and naive uh, in that relationship. Um, I experienced the mom guilt on a regular. Um, And I I don't think anybody does it perfect. I think we have to figure out how it works. Mine right now is because of my travel. Uh, When I come home and I unpack my bag and I'm packing it again, and my daughter's like, what do you mean you're leaving again? Like, <sighs> you just got home. And I'm like, I get it, baby. I got to go. You know, I'll be back. It's only five nights this time or it's whatever the case is. Um, so that's really hard. She And she'll tell me sometimes she's like, why can't you be retired and stay home with me when, when and daddy go back to work? <sighs> oh, right. Kick in the gut. Um, yes. So what... I'm and not everybody can do this. And I know this, I'm very blessed in the position that I have that I can kind of, I can control my calendar a little bit more. And so my exec knows, don't put anything on my calendar before eight 30 because I can get her, I can get up in the morning on the mornings that I'm home. I can get up, I can get her ready for school. I can make sure she gets out the door. My husband still, you know, takes her to the bus stop. I get my workout in and then I go into the office. So I try and take that time. Um, I don't really think that it works that way for everybody. In fact, I know it doesn't because seven years ago as a Master Sergeant or a Senior Master Sergeant, no, I wouldn't have been able to do that same thing. I, it, it just wouldn't have worked that way. I think you have to understand quality over quantity. Thanks. You have to really emphasize the moments you have together and and be present in those moments. And that way your child, even when you can't always be there, knows when you are there, you are 100% theirs. Yes.
1: I remember from a previous conversation I had with you um, and we talked about this type of balance and you gave me nuggets then that I still try to use now. And you said, it's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration and being present and having certain boundaries. So I now try to have intentional time with my son where it's like, okay, for this small window, we're going to sit here and watch Paw Patrol and it and Mario. Yeah. Because that's what that man likes. <laughs> but what you
3: mean, what's wrong with the Paw
1: Patrol? Because <laughs> uh, he, he wants me to be an active participant. Did you see, Jake? You didn't? Let's rewind it. Mm-hmm. He wants to go back. But for me, it's a those, those moments where I, I feel like I am failing or I'm falling short he like gets extremely excited where his timer on his iPad goes off because we're about to watch this show for the next hour where I'm like okay no phone no devices but it was because of this work life integration cuz I'm like that misconception of that balance and then just to know that i think regardless to even me being able to have that time i'm still going to have that that guilt sort of speak
2: yeah. but
1: but understanding that that quality over quantity
2: for yeah. sure I think at the end of the day, if my daughter can remember when it's all said and done with me in the military, my daughter can still remember that mommy did what she could to help take care of you when I could, then I'll be okay, right? And it'll be okay. So I don't, again, I what, I'm, what I would tell any parent, right? Not just moms, but what I would tell any parent out there, as I don't think we give dads enough credit for feeling probably some form of guilt now too, you know, the, the concept, the, the perception, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the wife was at home taking care of the kids and the man just was, you know, that our system is kind of built in that in that kind of thought process. But there is a tech sergeant, I hope he made master by now, and I wish I could remember his name. He was security forces out in Germany, and he was a, um, a uh, five lenses, uh, or not the four lenses, but the... Uh, five voices instructor Mm -hmm. and his story is he is a single parent with three children under the age of double digits right and so they have and he doesn't go into where mom is and that's fine but like they have wash it wednesday where each of the kids grab their own laundry basket and they all have to go do their own laundry right like he's a security forces dude he was a pme instructor he's a single dad like his story I don't think we give men enough credit these days either. That there is a ton of probably guilt about whether they're a good husband. And because all we ever talk about is, are you a good wife? Are you a good mom? Do you come to work? Do you do all these things? Right? Like we all have our things. Now we all have our things in the bags that we just got to go through.
3: Man, make sure you write that down for the. I want that. One. <laughs> Because you know. he has
1: this GQ problem So I'm hoping he's writing down these yeah, nuggets yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, I can't I write down, it's
0: either I write too much I don't write enough It's, I talk hey, to it's, it's the, the, it's the ones
3: you got to write down Right, <laughs> yes, right man. That's all, that's yeah, all sure, Shout say, out man. to the
0: dads, I'm going to write that down Shout, shout out, out to the well,
1: We don't have a lot of questions That's actual chat box But I have some pre-questions up here I'm ready I'm ready for these rapid fire, you ready for these rapid fire questions? ready for these rapid fire questions Let's go Look, All right, Chief. Are you left handed or right handed? Right handed. What was your worst base?
2: Mm, I don't have a worst base.
1: Mm-mm. I have Mm-mm. that
2: experience right. at a base. Uh, I don't have a worst base. Worst Who's base a, would have been Los Angeles because it, it was back home for me.
1: Who plays softball better than you?
2: I don't play softball, so everybody else who does play.
1: <laughs> volleyball. <laughs> volleyball. Who plays volleyball better than you?
2: The Olympians right. do, man.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, look, and I think I have one more. What book are you currently reading?
2: Uh, Daring Greatly. By who? Brene Brown.
1: Ooh, good one, good one, good one.
3: Good Hey, so another I wanna give it black real quick is I'll give another shout out, uh Paige. Hey, we're gonna hit her like this one more time. So we won't post the question. So if you have a question for her, we won't put it on the screen so she won't see it. Um and then we're gonna rapid fire uh chief again there at the end. So if you have something, put it down there and we'll get get them out
0: there to her. Yes. Really, uh Keith, you had to put that comment up there? Was that Jay I Will? I absolutely did. Like, Go
1: ahead and read I that out loud, know, Jay anything. Will. I, I,
0: can't, didn't, I, didn't. I can't win for losing with <laughs> y'all. With friends like y'all, who needs enemies? All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so moving on, Chief. Um, we all heard the analogy, never burn bridges, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So my
0: question is a bridge-related question to you. Is there okay. ever a bridge in your career that you felt like you burned and you wish that you can go back and redo?
2: Uh, I No, there is never a bridge that I burned. I learned that really early on in my career because um, I watched an airman. Uh, it goes along the same lines of don't, don't close the doors before they're closed on you. Right. Like keep all your doors open. I had an airman at my first duty station who uh, was a pharmacy technician and he uh, had the vault for all of the narcotics and he was taking the narcotics and he was um, selling them <laughs> up North uh, to a very bad, bad, bad community. And um ended up getting court-martialed for it. And he was bringing in, he's riding in a truck and he was getting wheels for it and putting a system in it. And like all of these things that an anyone see with brand new mar- or married with a brand new baby on the way should not be doing right. And so uh, watching him kind of go through that whole process, understanding that when you burn your bridges, i.e. make mistakes and don't try and do the best you can to fix them or apologize for them. Not that he could have ever gotten out of that one, particularly. Um, You can't come back from that. Those relationships that you cultivate throughout your entire career, you have no idea where you're going to run into that person again long-term. right? So as an airman or a staff sergeant, I am a medic taking care of some flyer who ends up being my wing commander one day. If I'm a jerk to that person, like... I don't know that you can ever make up for that first impression. And so all I will say is, is you really have to understand that it's not always about first impressions, but it is about a lasting impression with that person. And so if you can understand that you don't, um, you may not know what their bad day is, what's triggering them, you're triggering them, you don't think that you are, whatever this scenario may be, um take a step back and take a breath first before you respond because emotional responses will completely uh undermine anything that you're ever trying to do the rest of your career
0: thank you for answering that Um, i just want to say the last time i asked this question the response i got was from like well Thin line between love and hate when Angela Bassett
1: burned the car wall. Don't away. say her name. That, that look, that's one of Chief Riley's close friends who mm-hmm. has been who like, that, in the in, in the question, Like them bridges deserve to be burned. Burned in the village. In the village. Like, in yeah.
3: the village. <laughs> but but in the same, I, we got to ask though. In the same respect, um, where's there a bridge you wish you did burn? Mm-hmm. And I know you said that I would never burn a bridge. I'd never burn a bridge. But there mm-hmm. had to be a moment that you were like, hey, I should have let this go. So maybe burning a bridge is the wrong terminology, but you should, you look back and you're like, man, I, I really shouldn't have associated with this anymore. It, it was just bringing me down.
2: Uh, I wish I could have burned the bridge with that master sergeant that made me cry, right? Like, I, I still remember standing in my bathroom, looking at my husband, getting ready for work one day and going, I can't do this anymore. It was the one time in my career that I thought, I'm not going to make it in the military. I gotta get out. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I can't do this. And it had nothing to do with what my job was. It had nothing to do with where we were stationed or where we were living. Like it had to do with that one person coming into work and me having to deal with them every single day. I wish I could have burned that bridge because I don't think anybody should ever have to Come into work hating their life so much that they have to sit in their car or sit in bed and cry before they can just to stomach the thought of being able to come into work that is not a military that i want to be associated to and that is not a military i want people that make other people feel that way to be a part of right and so my whole job right now that i feel is necessary is just to push culture 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 again The military is not not bred to fail. We will not fail as a military entity in itself. The people inside of us fail us a lot. And so if we can form this culture that we are really trying to get after of psychological safety, of taking care of one another, of not wanting to burn bridges with people, (laughs) right? Then our airmen will be okay. They will will be able to get after it, and we will be just fine.
0: Um
3: uh, I don't I mean, even. Think I, I don't, I pre- I'm pretty sure people. I'm saying this after every time you speak, but uh, Black, you got there. Is uh, <laughs> 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 is what you call it Keep it, keep it up, keep it up. Can uh, I share they, one
2: thing real quick on that? Yeah, I'm sorry,
3: course. this yours.
2: I think what I wish I would have done was actually. I don't think he knows he did that to. Me. Yeah. We talk a lot about open and honest, hard conversations, transparency, um, feedback. I never had the ability or the strength to tell him that. And I I wish I would have done that.
3: There you go. I appreciate that. I definitely um, I have to go back to one of your earlier comments. Um because you kind of said after your first enlistment, because uh, we're now around the midpoint of your career, uh, after your first enlistment, you pretty much knew, um, but most people go through at that 10 to 12 year mark. Uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I think I might go, I think I might punch. Um, did you have any of those feelings around that time timeframe? Um, and if you didn't, if you could give advice to those members that are going through that, uh midlife uh mi- military life um thought process of like i don't know what i should do in this time frame um you know ho- hopefully you had those thoughts around the time but if not what advice would you give to those individuals
2: um i i did and i thought it i think for me it was because i just didn't feel productive right so i think that those that are not questioning themselves are living in one of two ways either they're very cool with the status quo and they're comfortable and nobody's pushing them to do anything and because they're comfortable in life, then there's no reason to change it up, right? Or they're not being pushed and they're not feeling like they're being valued and accomplished in the li- in, in what they're doing. And so yes, I, I think there was probably three or four different times that I thought, mm, yeah, this isn't for me. Um, for me personally, I had, Again, I had to get to a place where I felt like I was contributing to something, and that's when I went to go become a first sergeant. Like, it, yes, I did it because the master sergeant was was I made master because of that one particular master sergeant, mm-hmm. but I didn't go be a cut. I didn't go be a first sergeant because of him. I went to go be a first sergeant because I was looking for something different. I didn't feel value added in the job that I was doing. I didn't feel like I was being. Um, a productive person within the organization that I was in. And I didn't know what else to do to add to that. And so I needed to try something different and try something new. And so what I talk to people about when they're struggling with whether they should stay or get out, as I share with them a lot, like you have to think about where you're currently at and where you want your path to be. And so sometimes we feel so emotionally drained because we're not doing anything to put positivity back into our own life. But we feel, we don't, we can't see that in the moment. We think that it's life that's taking it out of us, but what we're not giving back sometimes is giving back into our life. And so, what I try and help when they come to me and they're like, Chief, I don't know if I should re enlist, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I, I have them talk out their path. I can't answer that question for them. Never can, never will. Because if I tell you what to do, then it doesn't work, it's my fault. Your life is not my fault. <laughs> your life is your choices, right? And so what I have them do is I don't answer any questions for them. And and I think this is this becomes a huge portion. We we as human beings really do like to fix people's problems for them. I I really try not to fix their problems. Talk to me about it. What does this path look like if you're going to do this? What does this path look like if you're going to do this? What would you do if you get out? Where would you go? Do you have a stability support system to help you, right? What if you were to stay in? Is there an assignment that you really want? Is there a job that you really want? And once you start getting people to talk, all of a sudden, their own mind starts answering their own questions for them. They just didn't have an ability to get it out, to think through it, Um, and so... I won't tell you to stay in, and I won't tell you to get out. What I will ask you is, what well, what are you going to do if you do get out? Like, don't become a leech, somebody that's going to just suck life out of the society. Right? For, be a productive human being, and 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 still take what we've given you in the military and go make use of it. Because there's a lot of greatness that you've learned, even if you don't see it in that moment.
1: I really like that, Chief. Like- yep. Yeah. And so now that you've made this transition and, and and the decisions to stay in, and you've done the first mm-hmm. sergeant gig, in hindsight, being twenty twenty, is there what, what advice would you have given yourself aside from that, that one experience um, with yeah. that master sergeant? Um, what advice would you have given yourself to be successful or do something different or something else? Uh, does anything else really stick out in your mind?
2: Um, this is what I told my son to stay successful in his career. Surround yourself with the people that, of who you want to be like, right? So if you like to work out, but you hang out with a bunch of dudes that like to sit around and play video games, guess what you're gonna do? Not go to the gym, right? right. You want an education, but you choose to hang out with the partiers. Guess what you're not gonna do? You're not gonna go home and do your homework at night to get good grades in school, which you said was important to you. So, really? um, what I tell people now is if you have your priorities, surround yourself with people that have like-minded priorities because it will keep you on track to, to stay successful. So if you want to be a person in the military who joins the airman's club or the five, six or uh, the dorm council, but you're choosing to hang around with people that talk nothing but negativity about it, you're not going to go do it because you'll be embarrassed right? You're not going to stand up for that. And so I think you find success through the people that you choose to hang out with one. And you also find success um, as you live in the moment that you're in, not constantly look for what is coming up next for you. And that doesn't mean don't set goals and go after them. But if all you are ever doing is looking for your next promotion, looking for your next job, then you're never fully 100% Embraced in what you are currently sitting at right now, trying to be the best version of yourself.
3: Mm. Or enjoying where you came from. I mean, right.
2: Yeah. So
0: I'm writing those ones
1: down. Listen. And she just getting a pow, pow. But it's like one of those like quiet storms. It's real subtle. Those piercing blue eyes just give you that like (laughs) (laughs) real sweet, but she hitting it with the fire. Okay. Listen, are <laughs> oh, we just <laughs> waiting on him to catch up? We just so, waiting I'm on sure. him to catch up. So, we, we can fine. ask the question, we'll of, a, a a question that Drea, right, okay. Drea has a question up here. It's OK. It's OK, but go ahead. And, and we maybe, did. Right. I did. This question was pretty fire. So it know. was all right. So chief, this is coming from Drea. Shout out to Drea. She has she's asking you, what has being a command chief opened your eyes to as far as people or the mission?
2: So as a command chief, thanks Drea for the question. uh, I have now had the opportunity to sit and be a part of more conversations that I really wish we would have shared. I would have heard about so much earlier on, right? So 2018 was when the NDS was actually pushed out. It was the first time anybody had ever said, did you realize that there is a document that tells you exactly what we're gonna do and how we're gonna get after it? And I was like, no. How much easier would it have been had I been able to associate to the military had I known documents like this existed, right? So what I, opening my eyes to the mission and the people are, is there are actual really smart people that sit way up top that think about all of this stuff and they put it together kind of simply for some of us to read, right? To keep it pretty simple for us. And so I wish I would have been, more understand more aware that there were there was the nds and and these and these documents that your chief of staff of the air force and and that releases and how they all tie together our communities back then did not do a good job of talking to airmen about this stuff like i don't think i even talked to a command chief until i was as a first sergeant and that's because they were my functional manager and joined me in our first sergeant meetings right so i would have never known these documents existed now I go out and I talk to people about them. Have you re- read Accelerate, Change or Lose? Do you understand what the action orders are telling you? Have you ever thought like, why do people keep talking about China so much? Like, where is this stuff coming from? And so what my, my, what I have been opened up to is just the, all of this greatness that I can share with airmen and it's not so that they can have this strategic outlook on life and, and figure out how they're going to fix the, the Air Force's problems, right? Right. But they can't know where we're going if they don't even understand where we currently are. And if us as senior NCOs and NCOs aren't reading these documents and sharing with them this information, then how are, how are they ever going to realize like, why we need to be prepared for this next high-end fight? What is happening Ooh. in China right now, right? What are we doing to prepare ourselves, and why are you important to do And so that has been hugely eye-opening to me. And, man, if when, oh, man, these airmen, I just, I'm, like, pouring it out. Hey, read just just do me a favor. If nothing else, just Google search this. Like, usually a phone that you use all the time for everything else, and Google search it. Um, because I, I do. I think it's really important that our airmen understand that these documents at least exist.
1: Ooh, chief, listen, because it's the smile. Like, chief, you have this, like, yes, but you're <laughs> hitting it. Uh, Did you know this is this, this, this like it's, it's just left and right, and I forgot I wasn't on you, <laughs> <laughs> chief.
0: Listen. Uh, chief. So I'm we ready. talked a little bit in the past about regrets. Um, yeah. This question is going to be like one of those fond memories. So. What do you talk about? What's going to be that one memory that you share once your time in the service is, is passed and you're going to share about your your fondest memory during your time in service? What would that memory be?
2: Hmm. I have I have a couple of them. Can I share a couple of them? Sure.
3: Yeah. Because of all the nuggets from before. So if, like you, if
2: you if uh, you you guys went on my Facebook page and pulled down a couple of a couple of pictures, and that first picture that my husband and I is. Actually, the ALS dinner, uh, one ALS dinner after we had actually met because we met at an ALS dinner, right? So that was, that's probably uh, something that him and I got to share that not a lot of couples out there. So the KG pass is in Afghanistan. So in 2008, him and I did a 365 together out in Afghanistan and we were at two different FOBs and KG pass was what split our FOBs. And so he had come down to my FOB uh, and my commander authorized me, we were getting ready to leave country, but it was really hard to get air out, air support out of our location. So he authorized me to leave with them on that, to go back up to his FOB so we could get out of country. And uh, so we have a picture standing in front of when the MRAPs first came out um, and it, <laughs> they had named it Optimus Prime. And so him and I are in full battle rattle standing at Camp Wilderness uh in the kg pass and i just don't think you could ever make something like that up like that is something that i will cherish forever is that time that we did that um so yeah that to me that moment that i got to take that picture with him and then um i think oh god my deployments man i just my deployments that i will take those memories with me forever in a day um but I will say, Chief Bass took away my one thing that I really thought I could change the Air Force with, right? So now you can put your hands in your damn pockets, which <laughs> anyway, and only a maintainer has ever been able to tell me, well, because if you trip and you fall, then you can't put your hands down and you fall, right? Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna break your face. And I was like, that's, that's like saying you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Like, that's stupid, <laughs> right? But she changed that. I thought that was going to be like my key to fame in the military. <laughs> like, if I am ever Chief Master in the Air Force, I'm going to make it so you put your hands in your jacket pockets. Like, that is what they're there for. So anyways. anyways, that's
0: funny. Can I go back for a second, Chief? Did you say yeah. you guys met at ALS?
2: We did. We met at an ALS graduation.
0: <laughs> Here you go. Shout out to PS. It had
3: nothing to do with the curriculum, sir.
0: It had nothing. <laughs> it to do. It not <laughs> ALS graduation. I just said they look li- like. <laughs>
2: It was not our ALS graduation. His roommate and my roommate were in the same uh, ALS class, and we had both gone to the dinner, and I saw him. And when I went to the bar to go get my drinks, right, so I turned around, and he was standing, like, literally, like, this close to me, and I I just, like, stopped dead in my tracks. The man smiled at me, and at that very moment, I knew, like, game over. I was done
0: Dang. Yes. I have so many. We might cameras. even get my uh, Mike Riley
3: on to, to one of these. uh <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's yeah, going to slide
0: that in there. And I'm like, Put on ALS? My... She said she had yeah. an ALS, so I was like, oh, one sound for PME, folks.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. She said, even in that uh, recollection of the story, she said nothing about the instructors or the curriculum or, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not missing class today, <laughs> and we... Uh, We talked about it. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's our running joke. So I'm sorry. It's our running joke. It's with him. But uh, (laughs) as we come, as we get to our closing questions, I did want to afford you the opportunity. um, But then understand, though, that this opportunity only comes with one answer. Um, So with this, you know, it's going to be recorded. We're going to post it. So I want to give you the opportunity to give one piece of advice. If you knew right now, that literally what you say next is going to reach every airman across the Air Force. What's that one nugget or that one piece of advice that you want to give those individuals?
2: Oh, man. Um, never, Never be afraid just to ask the question, whatever the question is, right? Whether it's did I do a good job today or I need help my life sucks I don't know. I don't whatever your question is like don't don't be afraid to be vulnerable when you need to be vulnerable because it clears your soul I, I don't know how else to put it like in your head you're the mind is an, is an amazing thing, right? And it is more capable than what you ever give yourself credit for. But in your head, if you don't release that stuff that's in your head, you will spin out of control. And we've all done it, right? I, I use it as an example because it's funny and it makes people relate to it. But I can have an entire argument in my head with my husband and be mad at him because of things that I think he's gonna say to me. He never once said anything. it, and I'm furious at him for that stuff, right? But it's because I'm 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 afraid to say what I'm feeling or what I think or whatever the case may be. And so what I, what I would share with Airman is never be afraid to ask the question that's in your head, because what you are going to do is you are going to apply your own story to that question. I hadn't hey, get good training today. It's because they don't like me. It's because they think that I am what you name the X, 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 X things that we say to ourselves, that we would never say to other people, right? We are never, we are never nice to ourselves. We would never say things to other people the way that we say to ourselves, right? So that's what I would tell Airmen today. just just allow yourself the ability to find that person that you can you can be vulnerable with and not be afraid to ask the questions so that you don't you don't allow yourself to spin inside your own head and make mountains out of mole moles mo- mo- I don't know whatever that word is
3: that's so- good. hey i'm a I'm a Never mind. I'm going to just say, uh, I'm going to tell somebody else what you just said. Oh,
1: no. Y'all already know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, look, you already were imitating her one time. He was imitating his wife. We already been in
3: trouble. (laughs) We just be in trouble. I be like, I didn't even say nothing. Why am I in trouble?
2: My husband to this day, so we're stationed in Korea. So this was back in 2002. And I woke up. I had a dream that I caught him cheating on me. And I was mad at him. And he still to this day brings that up to me. Still to this day. He's like, you got mad at me for a dream that you had. Like it wasn't even real. I didn't even do anything. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. So our minds Amen. are crazy places and uh, and can do things that are so amazing, but they can also put us in very, very bad, dark places. And so we have to be able to just speak it, let it out, speak it, and it clears. It. I call it clearing the gutters. You can clear out your gutters, right, in order for it just to make sense. Yeah, yes, yeah, Dreya. Poor Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, man. All right, so Chief, you've been doing really, really, really well. We've been getting we've been straight. Look, get through this. So I have one more serious question um, before we close out our last round of rapid fire questions, Okay. Okay. And so um, this question, um, I'm going to ask. It says, as a leader during the racial disparity report and the murder of George Floyd, did you ever experience any discomfort or defensiveness? Um, When confronted with the information about the racial inequality um, and injustice, and if you did, how did you cope during this time?
2: Yeah, uh, so I, I have to, one, I have to say thank you to Gloria. I'm, Gloria and then um, Master Sergeant Trevor Hudson. Um, without them in my life, I don't know that I would have been able to really process it. And it sounds like a lame excuse, but it's you don't know what you don't know, and that didn't work, right? Like nobody wanted to hear that answer What I will say about that though, is you don't know what questions to ask when you don't know and you don't understand because you didn't live the life in the shoes of the other person. And so I remember, oh God, it was probably, George Floyd really did kick everybody, like it pushed it all over the top, but there were several people that had died earlier on in the year. and I watched. I watched. I was watching church online, and my pastor had brought on three other pastors. Two of them were black, and one was um, Italian. Lived in New York, and he talked about. Uh, they had already talked about being in the community and how tension-filled things were getting, and how do we love through this stuff, right? From from a place of God and acceptance and and, and accepting of one another. And I remember thinking, like, we got to have this conversation. And then all of a sudden, George Floyd died, and it went over the top very, very quickly, with good reason. And I was doing Facebook Lives already. So we were already in COVID. I had started doing what's called Rise with Riley um, for my medical group folks. And we were talking with the airmen. And I went to Sergeant Hudson, and I said, we have to do one based off of this, off of, of George Floyd dying and what's going on right now. And he said, no, no, you cannot do that. Now, for all of you that don't know who Trevor Hudson is, um, <laughs> he's a six foot four dark black man who grew up in Miami and is probably judged before he even walks through the door because he mm. is loud and obnoxious, but he is so real and he will give it to you in all forms and shapes, right? So he was like, chief i've come to kind of like you like because he did not like me before him and i started working together um i can't let you get on facebook and put yourself in a position that people are going to question your motives for this and i was like if i can talk to an airman about being an airman and what they love about the military i got to talk to him about why life is hard in the military And so I had um, three people agree to do the Facebook Live with me. EO was trying to talk me out of it. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. My vice wing commander, I called up to the vice wing commander's office and I said, hey, sir, I just want you to know that I'm getting I'm like in five minutes. I'm going live. And this is what we're doing today. And my vice wing commander was like, do you do you trust the conversation, Amy? And I was like, I sure do. And he said, we got your back, chief. Go for it. And so I said, awesome, cool, thank you, sir. We pressed on with life. It um, Went so well. Like the three people that sat down with me, we talked about the, about the things that nobody wants to talk about, right, where understanding that we, as individuals, put our own thoughts, and we fill in the gaps of the story, right? So one of the things that Gloria and I have talked about several times is the racial disparity report doesn't talk about the race of the supervisor, but we allow that to be a very black and white thing, black person versus white person. Right? There are, there are stories out there of my supervisor, my supervisor, but. Because of the racial disparity report, because of the 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 civil and all the social unrest that was going on in the communities, we allow ourselves to apply the gap fillers of what we think it is. And what I have come to realize is that, man, a lot of our minorities did not feel heard at all. And they what I found to be sad about the whole thing was. They said, we've been talking about this forever. And I'm yes. like, well, <laughs> what did you want us to Like, I don't know what to you know. do to help. Like, I, I don't know, right? And so talking to Gloria about it, talking to Sergeant Hudson about it, allowing ourselves to be able to be in the space and hear what the other person had to say. I think it just comes naturally that we've all just shut it out because it's so uncomfortable. But I will tell you, I've learned so much greatness from the people around me. Um, I learned that several of my female command chiefs that are black were tired of being looked at at the table like they were supposed to have the answer.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: I learned that when somebody doesn't speak, they're in their inability, they're, they're no words to speak louder than them actually saying something. Yes. And I've also learned from them that when they don't know what to say, they, they thought it was better to just sit there and allow themselves to listen to the others around them, but they were being judged for that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I have taken away from all of that is stop stop assuming, stop, play, stop filling in the gaps with my own information and stop passing judgment before I understand the other person's perspective so and where they're sitting at in that space. Um, I hate that our commanders were put on blast for not saying something, but I hate that they felt that they didn't that they couldn't say anything because they yes. weren't the skin color that was needed yes. to that needed to be heard. And that, and in that perspective, in that perspective, man, we drew so many lines for people that it's hard to go back. Right? It, we talked about not burning bridges. It's hard to go back and erase those lines that were drawn out. There's a lot of people still hurt and very mistrusting yes. of their leadership mm-hmm. chain of the people of, that surround them because there uh, are people are not willing to come to the table and just have a conversation or I'm afraid to ask you. Yes. If, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. where did you grow up? Because right. I'm going to, I don't want to assume anymore. Right. I don't want to assume anymore. And that I think just comes with life lessons learned.
1: Right. And I just yeah. think that every, it's, it's one of those where just like every every Black person doesn't have the same background or the same experience. And right. to not assume that, um, but it also takes work on both sides where both guards have to be down. I was very disappointed that a lot of um, my leaders at the time did not want to have those conversations but were the first ones to say let's get uncomfortable when we talk about sexual assault when okay. we talk about other things that we had a zero tolerance for and i just remember one of the conversations it was like maybe the fifth or sixth where it was a we need the black airmen to come in here in the room and tell their experience and this is when i first crossed paths with um with chief weathers we not and i've talked about this on our on our, our page And it was a I was like, I don't want to do this. Why do I have to tell these leaders my experience to for them to just care or just to to just be open to certain conversations? I'm trying to process this because it was like at the same time, my son was being told that he was going to be killed by cops and he was four, like four going on five. So as I'm trying to process it, it was a well, let's talk about your hurts and trauma. I'm like, why do I have to tell these leaders how to talk to me? I don't have to tell them how to handle me as a woman, you know, in other different facets and scenarios. And I was like, man, to not say anything, I think sometimes it's worse because even if you say, I don't know what to say, that that vulnerability allows us to be connected where I'm like, man, okay. So you're just not being quiet because then when, you're, when you don't say anything, you leave it up for individuals to draw their own conclusions um, in a way versus like letting your voice be heard. And I just, I commend leaders like you and I've seen General Webb and um, General Goldfein having those critical conversations um, at such a pivotal time where a lot of um, certain leaders just, they shunned away from that. So I definitely wanted to get your perspective on that.
2: Yeah. I told my airmen, you know, I'm not going to say the right things because it is my, you you want me to talk. So I'm willing to sit down and have a conversation. And I may say something that you don't like or that you don't agree with, um, please come find me and talk to me about it. If you don't want to say that, have that conversation in this room with these other individuals, right? Like I would rather us uh, sit down because I've said something that's offended you, or I you don't agree with, and us try and hear each other's perspectives. Because in an hour time frame, you can't give all the detail and all the background information or whatnot. But my goal is never to offend you or to. Um, to make you feel like I I'm not I'm not willing to not have another conversation with you in some way shape or fashion right so I always let people know like look I may not all say it up right here and you want you for whatever reason you want us to stand up here and be as honest and open as we can but you're not if you're gonna judge me for that be willing to come back and have that conversation with me later and and let me know why right and and so I can be better I can only be as good as you as you help me be. Right. So, it's, yeah.
3: it's crazy because it, I feel like you can apply that to any scenario. Right. It's like you want me to do something. I do it. And then you judge me for it. And um, uh, and then it's unfortunate. So but but that advice is definitely like, hey, just come back to me and talk to me. And then I can explain to you my thought process. I can explain to you how what what I meant. You know, we can we can have that conversation and I'm open for mm-hmm. that. So I definitely appreciate that one.
2: Chief Colon Lopez Arciak, he, uh, he said when I was a first sergeant, I listened to him speak at an event, and he said, you deserve what you tolerate. Mm. And that sat with me. I still use that to this day. That has sat with me since the day I heard it. And it can apply to any relationship that you are in. Your friends, your family, your spouse, your children, your airmen, your supervisor, your leadership chain, whoever it is, like, shame on you for doing it. Forget it but shame on me for not being able to know what my value is at the table either. Right. And, and so you deserve what you tolerate. And I think that the the world has spoken very loud and clear on what they are no longer willing to tolerate.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you chief for, for opening up to us.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes. All right. We got this last round of rapid questions, rapid fire questions, but okay. All right, chief, you ready? All right, let's go. Look, I got to have some theme music. It's got to be like <laughs> something like that. All right, I'm pretty geez.
3: sure suspenders can give you. I yeah. know.
1: Boom, boom, boom. All right, Chief. So snap. what is your biggest pet peeve since being a command chief?
2: When people apologize for stopping to ask me a question. That is my job. Stop me and ask me. I hate I you. Be I'm sorry I'm bothering you. You're not bothering me. That's my general. <laughs>
1: Man, look, I had a lot of my plays getting excited. Okay, she's <laughs> so ready to go. All right, so how do you keep yourself from being burned out, especially as busy as you are?
2: Mm, I get my workout in. I'm I get an, I become an angry person when I don't work out. Uh I binge watch Netflix shows. I yeah. do. I binge watch Netflix shows. Netflix and Hulu. I'm kind of into it, so.
1: All right, Chief, last big question. So if you had to get your starting five lineup of Chiefs, if you could run a base and you could get your lineup five, five of the Chiefs oh at God. the present. I'll
3: give, I'll give you one substitute just because the Nuggets have Six. been fired. So I'll give you the substitute just in case oh the player God. gets
2: injured. Oh, my God. I can't even begin. All right. So five Chiefs to help me run a base. Yo, our team, they could be past or present. Oh, well, you know, so I got six. He's I, in six. I, okay. So, chief, chief Weatherspoon, even retired, man. I got to have her to help me run a base because nobody does it better than she does it. Um,
0: All
2: right. I would say Becky Bateman down at Charleston Air Force Base now. I think she is a phenomenal human being and chief. She is spot on. Uh, Anthony Green, who is my uh, expeditionary sergeant chief right now, he is. So cool, column collected, and wicked, wicked smart. Um, let's see, who else, who else, who else? Uh, I need a good, good, uh, Chi Swanson. Okay. Fantastic human being and uh, loves life, and I love her to death for that. Um, Rob Schultz, because he is like, no holds barred. He'll just put it out there and tell you like it is um one more one more one more one more and then the person that i would put on the top as a leader because he's a magic chief and i just love his perspective is Corey olson all right Uh,
1: and if i didn't say your name
2: and you're listening to this and (laughs) you love you don't (laughs) think that i don't love you i love you
1: (laughs) what's your favorite netflix show
2: um all american
1: oh me too Love that show. Hey, thinks is beautiful. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right. So,
0: Chief, again, before we about the uh, we get to wrapping it up, I just want to um, extend our greatest gratitude. <laughs> Say thank you for taking the time out to share your perspective with not only just us because you couldn't tell we were frantically writing down, keeping trying to keep up with these nuggets, but the rest of the sixteen thousand or so members on the page. So, as we always advocate to all of our guests. Um, there's going to be some questions we probably didn't get to while we're on live. We please encourage you to go back, read some of the comments, uh, maybe answer some of the questions that the page members reached out to you and posed. Um, if there's anything that we can do in the future to ever help you out, please feel free to reach out. And again, thank you. So before we go to final closing remarks and I do recap, I'm going to go, no, 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 not recap yet. <laughs> Chill out. <man. laughs> He's ready. He's been antagonizing about these notes. But I'm going to pass over to Jay will so he can get his closing remarks in, and then I'll do the final recap and close out.
3: Hey, I know for me, chief, first and foremost, uh, time is valuable. Like we we won't get none of this time back. So you taking the time out to be with us and, and sharing it, like Black said, with, with all of our page members and being genuine and authentic. I know they can see it in you and your personality. I just want to tell you for me uh, how much I really and genuinely appreciate it. It's always humbling to just sit down and have an honest conversation with individuals regardless of what level they're at. Um it, it it's um it it's just very humbling. And then uh to the page, as always, uh, we do this for y'all. So uh if there's somebody on here that y'all would like to see, um that's who we promote and that's who we advocate for. So uh please by all means, if y'all want somebody, put them in the comments. Uh we'll reach out and try to connect and get that get that for y'all. So um uh, Key, what you got?
1: Man, so Chief Riley, you already know she is, you are so amazing, and um, when I had the courage to go Facebook Live and I was looking for female chiefs who were relatable, had their own theme music when they walked in the room, that uh, <laughs> gravitated to more than one AFSC, there were so many different types of people from different backgrounds who named your name, and. You didn't know who I was, but you definitely trust the process, and you came on that uh, that platform. And and from then on out, anytime I we reach out, you're definitely there. Um, I don't know how you make the time, and I just it's effortless. It comes off effortless, and I think that's kind of the point, right? But I just thank you so much for being the hope and being a face, something that's relatable and being authentic. And I just I just I thank you so so much. Thank you. Sure. All right.
0: All right. So as usual, I like to go down and, and kind of re-highlight some of the nuggets that were dropped during this amazing uh, session. So one of the first ones that I wrote down was um, uh, be a productive human being. The Air Force might not be for you. So sometimes we try we get into our own little heads and try to convince people either to stay or to go or try to mold them to what we think they should be. But sometimes we got to let them choose uh your chief also mentioned that it's okay to have bad days and that's one of the things we harp on a lot that as human beings we're going to have our ups and downs it's okay to have our bad days uh chief also mentioned the importance of finding your passion man that's so important as far as this uniform that we wear this business as uh, as far as professional arms there's going to be a time that each one of us takes off this uniform find that thing that you love to do and kind of set yourself up while you're in to continue that passion while you're out so thank you for that um, Chief also mentioned a shout out to all the dads out there with kids, uh, especially the knuckleheaded boys and girls out there that are kind of giving us hey. hell on the sideline. So hey, shout geez. out to dads. <laughs> and the really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't—we the, the two dads got to hold it down. Hey. Um, give feedback Random. to those who are causing you strife. Because sometimes, man, that was, that, that, I felt like that hit home for me because a lot of times people don't know that they're toxic until we sit down and talk and, like, let, and let them know that, hey, their behavior is severely impacting us. I feel it's so wrong of us as an enterprise to have people that are crying because they have to come to work. Man, it's such a beautiful thing, the Air Force. I enjoyed my time in it. I enjoy my time in it. But for it to be negatively impacting someone to the point where they have to cry when they have to come into work, man, that's 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 unfortunate. Uh, we cannot always fix people's problems. But we can talk to them. Man, that's dope. I, I want to write that down and put that on my wall, on my um, office <laughs> door. Okay, I might not be able to fix your problem, but we can talk. That's a dope one. And the last few kind of uh, talk a little bit about your team. She said to surround yourself that with people that you want to emulate. You find your success in the people you surround yourself with. Man, that's dope. That's kind of like the premise of UMU on the low. So thank you for that, Chief. If you're always looking for the next thing, you will, always, you will miss the now. So if you get caught up in trying to go for the next promotion, the next uh, position, you're going to miss the now. Yes, Drea, I was going to get to that. You deserve what you <laughs> tolerate. She won't let me right. live. But that's a, that's a dope one, too. And uh, and that's for all aspects, not just of the environment that we tolerate, but the behaviors we tolerate from people. It's ourselves as well, right? So we deserve what we tolerate from ourselves. Um, and the last one, um, Airmen, you can't know where we're going if you don't know where we're at. So I want to say I want to take this nugget and wrap it up and shoot it out there to my senior CO. So if you're a senior NCO listening to this, this is important to us because a lot of times we lose track of how to articulate our role in the mission as an enterprise to those that we work with. So we can't know where we're going if we don't know where we're at. So it's our job literally to get into the NDS, to read these papers that these senior leaders put out so we can articulate that to those people we lead. And that's the final wrap up for me. So again, UMU, thank you for tuning in. Chief, thank you for your time. And admin as always, thank you for all you doing do in the background.
1: Uh, Chief, do you wanna leave us with
2: anything, man, before we sign on off? Uh, what? Well, I just, I really have to say thank you for asking me to be a part of this, man. This, These fill my cup. I love these conversations. Um, and I hope that more people are having them because we're just humans. We're just human beings trying to get through the day. Um I do want to say one thing CC Thomas I did see your comment that it was it it was really hard on a lot of the minority people to be asked to do those conversations and lead the conversations cuz it only continued to um, add to hurt and pain and you were absolutely correct. Not enough people stepped up that were just willing to learn and ha- and help the conversation along and so for those of you that did step up and and help lead the discussion points uh, man I I give you all my heart in the world and thank you for doing that stuff. Um, because you guys were processing it on your own as well. And so uh, I don't think anybody knew what they were doing and we were just trying and 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 it was wrong of us to expect that the people of color sitting around us would, would tell us how to handle it. And so I'm sorry that you experienced that. Um, man, I love you guys. Thank you guys for doing this. The airmen, air, all airmen, right? All airmen have a space that they can come to, to just fill each other's cups up. And and it takes people and it takes a lot of work for you guys to do that. And it takes work out of your own time to do this. You guys are parents, your spouses, your friends, your workers, you're doing all the things key. You're running retirement ceremonies, right? Like you have all these things on your plate and you still take time for, to let us come on and, and talk. And I can't thank you guys enough for continuing that because it does give people a place to come for positive influence, not just, negative, drawn out conversations. Right. So um, as always, I I am open to anybody's discussion. If I said something that you want to talk about longer or I offended you in any way and you want to hear my perspective on something or give me your perspective, uh, you can reach out to me at any time. Again, the command chief at the 621CRW and I'm open to any conversation you want to bring me. So you guys, I love you all. Thank you guys so much. And I, I hope everybody has a nice evening and a good rest of their week. No, thank you.